0: Welcome to another episode of Big Risk Energy. I'm your host, Roy Samuel. I'm a serial entrepreneur, having founded multiple businesses, including one that I scaled and sold to a gaming company in 2018. I've been an investor for the last five years, and I'm also super passionate about neurodiversity, suffering with severe ADHD and dyslexia myself. On this podcast, we talk to an amazing range of people, from academics to actors, investors to entrepreneurs, politicians, musicians, scientists, professional athletes, and everyone in between. And we talk to these people about risk, risk they've taken in their lives, risk they've taken in their careers, when they paid off, and when they didn't. And on today's episode, I am blessed to be joined by the one and only Lisselle Pratt, Lisselle has recently been included in Forbes 30 Under 30. She's the co-founder of FinTech Capitalize and a huge advocate for empowering women in tech. Lisselle, thank you so much for joining today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it and I'm super excited to get going and, and discuss great things about business and struggles and everything in between.
0: Amazing, that's what we love to hear. So you've obviously taken a ton of risks in your career. You've you know, defied odds, you've had so much self-belief, which is such a big part of of risk taking. But I want to know, where does your relationship with risk start? Like, where does that drive come from?
1: That's a good question. So I suppose my, when I was growing up, I moved around quite a lot. So I was born in London and moved when I was five to Spain. Mm -hmm. And we moved around constantly in Spain. I probably lived in like, uh, five different houses and I went to loads of different schools. And then after that, when I was 10, I moved to Thailand um, and I stayed there for five years. So it was all always about me being out of my comfort zone. I was always the outcast at school. I was always the person that didn't really have any friends um, and didn't really feel like I belonged anywhere. So it was always like that. I guess that risk comes from me always being out of my comfort zone and me feeling like risk is a normal thing because I'm so used to it. And hmm. so used to feeling uncomfortable.
0: What was the reason you guys were moving around so much?
1: So my dad was part of a um, gambling company, actually. Okay. Uh, so we we're based near Gibraltar. Uh, so we was living in Spain for a while. And my mum is half... much not, not half Thai. I'm half Thai. My mum is Thai. So we ended up moving to Thailand because my grandmother had... Uh, she was quite ill. So hmm. she wanted to be quite near her. Um, but it was a... I mean... I don't regret living in all those places, even though at the time it was difficult for me and I didn't really fit in anywhere. I still, I don't regret it to this day because I I feel like I'm so much more culturally aware about everything and it's given me so much strength to to take risks and to just keep getting outside of my comfort zone and growing.
0: So when did you start appreciating that? Because obviously at the time, as you said, must have been incredibly difficult, always moving around, trying to make new friends, probably lots of different challenges there when did you start appreciating that
1: so it probably not until i was about 21 after i guess it, it probably started after i started my business when i started to realize uh, oh actually i took a big risk i was 23 when i started my business i mean what kind of 23 year old starts their own fintech company so uh, obviously it's a bit na- i could say it's like naive of me to do that but you know what it's a risk that i took and it's paid off um So I guess now that I'm looking back at my life and people ask me, where did that risk come from? It's from always being outside of my comfort zone growing Mm. up.
0: Really interesting. And um, you you say naivety. I think it's healthy delusion. Every every time you're a (laughs) first-time founder, you need that delusion there, right? Because the first time you do everything, or anything, sorry, you don't really know what you're doing, right? So it's it's always a bit of healthy delusion. So I think it goes a long way. Um, So you started off, if I'm right, Uh, Career wise in FX. Mm -hmm. Now, is that something which uh, again speaks to risk, or is that actually because I speak to different traders and some people like it's all about risk, some people it's about like mitigating risk. How do you see trading?
1: So, I initially got into trading, I kind of fell into the role, funny enough. So, it was I was interviewing for loads of jobs in the city, I really wanted to work in finance and I really wanted to make lots of money. Um, I'm going to be honest. That's one of the main drivers for me starting in the industry. Um, We're all about honesty here. <laughs> Love that. So yeah, at 18, I, I saw like finance was a great earning potential, and it really is. And um, I had two options when I was interviewing. So I actually interviewed at this charity, mm-hmm. and um, I got the I got a job offer there, and I also got a job offer at this uh, entry level foreign exchange position in, a, in, a, in an fx brokerage um the actual pay for the foreign exchange brokerage was a lot lower than the charity and um, so i spoke to a few friends about it and they said you know what it's a, it's a much better career path than you would working as as like in a call center in a charity basically mm-hmm. so uh yeah I, I took the risk and um ever since then it was very difficult for me at the beginning because i was literally the only woman working on the trading floor wow yeah, out of uh, at the beginning there was about uh, 20 men that I was working around and out of the whole actual trading floor itself there was 50 of them.
0: Wow. So, and how old were you at this time?
1: Uh, I was like 19. Wow, that must yeah. have been
0: intimidating. It was, yeah. So how did you respond to that and I imagine um this is what 10 11 years ago?
1: Uh no, it was I'm 26 now. Oh, you're 26 now. Yeah, wow, so okay, right. 7 years ago now?
0: Wow, okay. And at that time uh, I guess a lot of the lessons that um, the world is waking up to now in terms of equality and empowerment were not nearly where they are today. Is that something you experienced?
1: Yes. Yeah, so when I was working in the city, it was, uh, Funny enough, I actually did a talk about it yesterday, sharing my experiences and the challenge and how we, we can move forward with that. Um, so I was actually told by a lot of my uh, colleagues that women don't belong in the industry mm. and that women are essentially really bad at their jobs and um, they should be lo they should be in the kitchen or ironing clothes. So wow. just ridiculous comments like that. Um, and when I, there was also a lot of talk around, like disgustingly about around women mm. when I was around. So I confronted people about it and they said, oh, if you don't like it, then you, sh- you should just leave. Mm. This is, this is how the culture is here.
0: And is that another driver of yours? Is that something that you, you know, being faced with that as a 19-year-old with probably men who are much older than you who um, could be perceived as being in positions of power at that time, even if they weren't necessarily, um, a lot of people would shirk to that, right? A lot of people would would shy away from that. Mm -hmm. But sounds like something which um, that's, like, challenge accepted, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So a lot of people, so there's... A good amount, so actually no, there's not a good amount of women coming into the industry, but there's a less than 10% of women are in leadership positions in the mm-hmm. industry, so in fintech, so that's quite a big difference. And I think what's happening is they're entering the industry, but they're realizing that it's not a nice welcoming environment for them, mm-hmm. and then they leave because it's quite intimidating. Um, but when I first started, I'll be honest, um, it did get to me at first because I was like, oh, I don't feel like I belong here. I experienced so much imposter syndrome mm. um and like I just I wasn't good at my job because I was a woman. Um so because of that I spoke to a few people like um around me and I I just you know I was like, "You know what? I'm just as deserving and capable as they are. Why is it why because of my gender? Why why does that mean that I can't do what they can? It doesn't really matter who I am." I can do it just as well, and I can do it even better, probably.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's fascinating. And why do you think it is that so few women are entering finance, and do you see a difference between traditional finance and fintech in terms of the accessibility fees?
1: I think there's more difficulty for women entering the workforce in, in finance or fintech because it's often... People stereotype finance as being a very male domi- dominated industry, where it is. Um, but there is lot, there are a lot more women entering the workforce now, um, and partly the reason because of they're not entering the workforce is because other women are obviously sharing their stories and the struggles that they faced, and it. I guess they see it as quite scary. And when you watch shows on TV, for example, like Industry or Wolf of Wall mm. Street, you kind of like see it as like, oh no I would not want to work in that yeah. environment um, you want to like women want to work in a nice environment where they feel welcomed and appreciated uh, not shouted at all the time and put so much pressure on that you just want to leave.
0: So what do you think the best way of breaking down those barriers is if, if it's not sharing the horror stories and the struggles and it's obviously not showing things like Wolf yeah. of Wall Street or industry yeah. what do you think the the right way to tackle the challenge is?
1: So the right way to tackle the challenge, funnily enough, this is exactly what I spoke about yesterday. Great, so you're fully prepped. I am, (laughs) yes. So um, I have three ways, and we're currently doing this at Capitalise as well. Uh, One of them is providing uh, entry-level traineeships to women looking to break into the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one is once they are in part of your work, once they are an employee giving them a mentorship program so if you have a senior level woman um, that's in part of your company then you should be pairing them up together so they can work on any struggles or challenges that they're facing and obviously the chances are that senior level woman has been through the same issues that that younger person is going to be going through so they can be guided in the right direction and if they're not part of your company then there's lots of Um, charities and communities that you can be part of, like women in fintech or women in tech, where you can meet other senior level women. Or essentially, you can just reach out to some amazing women on LinkedIn as well. I've met so many nice, amazing women on LinkedIn just by messaging them and telling them how much I appreciate them and how much I respect them.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's amazing advice. So I want to take it back to um, you're finishing up your career in FX and you decide to take the plunge, go all in, build your own business. Mm-hmm. What's going through your mind there and, and tell us about that part of the journey?
1: So at twenty-one I was at twenty no, twenty-two, I had a strong feeling in my mind in like in my soul that I really wanted to travel. And I was just working like doing two hundred cold calls a day. Um and I just knew like there was so much more for my life. Um And I just said to my partner, I really want to travel Asia. Uh, So we ended up quitting our jobs and quitting our house, uh, our flat that we had, that we only rented for like six months. And we said, let's just go to Asia. Let's quit our jobs. Let's put all our stuff into storage and let's just go to Asia.
0: Something I'm sure everyone has felt at many times. Very few people take the risk of actually doing it.
1: Exactly. And I think. It's that having that intuition inside of you. When you have that strong intuition, you have to follow it because chances are that intuition is going to teach you something that's going to change your life.
0: Mm. And how much do you think, because that's, that's a huge risk to take, right? You know, you've worked incredibly hard. You've overcome a lot of odds to start building a career within FX. Now, when you left to go traveling, did you have safety net did you know that you could go back to that job did you you know where where are you at mentally because that's a lot of people listening to this will say well that's not a risk that i can take you know how, how do you see that
1: so i knew that i'd be able to get a job when i and when i got back into mm-hmm. the when i got back into the city because
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's always companies looking for good salespeople, yeah and um so i knew i'd be able to get that and i did i didn't really have a, that much of a safety net i think i had like two thousand pounds
0: <laughs> not and, gonna get you very far in london
1: <laughs> no it wouldn't get me very far in london but in asia it, it stretched out yeah sure and we lived on a budget in like hostels and stuff yeah um so yeah i had that that was my, essentially my safety net yeah um, and when we got back to london we ended up staying with uh, my partner's parents wow uh, for a good few months until we got back on our feet um which was challenging in itself
0: but what i love about that and i, I think this is such a, a core part of uh, so many people I speak to it's that self-belief mm-hmm. which allows you to take risks, that belief that, well, I knew I could go back and get a job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, reg- in many ways, like, regardless of reality, if you have that belief, it allows you to do those things that other people won't. So talk to me about your self-belief. Is that something you've always had? Is that something that's come through getting through resilience? You know, how, how do you see your, your relationship with your self-belief?
1: So when I was growing up, I, I was actually... I did not believe in myself whatsoever. Um, I was often told growing up that I should find a rich husband <laughs> or that I should get an easy job um, where I just get get a career and just get paid every month, for example, like a teaching assistant um, or like a teacher. So I was told to go down that route and find a rich husband to look after me, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, I don't it's uh, ridiculous to hear mm-hmm. it now, but it often, oftentimes your parents would, at that age or that culture would tell you to find a rich husband to look after you so that's yeah. what I was told and um, uh, growing up I did not really believe in myself I had a lot of self-doubt um, I lacked a lot of confidence and at the age of 16 uh, I got given some money so I was like oh what can I buy myself so I bought myself a kindle okay uh, yeah it was probably the best present I could have bought myself.
0: I mean that's the, that's that is a great gift to buy yourself. Absolutely. That's endless knowledge right there.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a pocket full of knowledge. Yeah. Um so I started buying some really great books like uh Girl Boss, um, which obviously is about a rebellious teenager um who um went through the odds and made a huge business for herself, like a multimillion pound business. And there's rich dad poor dad where I learned so much about like uh, financial literacy and mm-hmm. everything, and it mm-hmm. really changed my whole perspective on finance. Um, another one, which is uh, I, I guess some might say it's a bit lame, but um, I started reading The Secret. Yep, yep,
0: familiar <laughs> with it.
1: So that was one of my first self-help books, The Secret, um, and that really just changed my mind and my perspective on anything is possible mm. as long as you believe in yourself and you have that determination and. You just keep reminding yourself that you're just as capable as anyone else. And if you see a successful person, you can do it too. You have to believe in yourself. And I always say this as well, oh, you have to believe in yourself. And there's ways that you can do that. And the ways are getting outside of your comfort zone, doing things that you wouldn't usually do, Mm -hmm. um, meeting new people, surrounding yourself with great people as well because they will lift you up if you surround yourself with negative people who complain all day, you're going to be like them as well. So you have to find that group that's going to lift you up. And that's really important. Um, Reading the right books as well and consuming the right content. Like, for example, you can create your Instagram or your LinkedIn feed to be positive Mm -hmm. and not follow just ridiculous junk all the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you touched on a really interesting subject there. And I think it's the biggest risk, which a lot of people take and, I think it's a, a risk that more people should take, which is cutting out toxic people, mm-hmm. because the I, I really do believe that you are the composite of the six people you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. I know it's you know be, it's quite cliche, but I really do believe that to be the case. Humans are so impressionable, so the ability to surround yourself with the right people. So it's something I've done many times. Had to cut out people whenever I do realize they're not going to help me, um, not in terms of uh you know in a narcissistic way of helping me achieve my goals, but support me and you know be good friends in that way Mm -hmm. so I mean how would you advise someone who is struggling in that very real situation people have toxic parents they have toxic partners you know it's it's one of the hardest things but it's probably the the biggest change one can make what what do you advise someone who's thinking about cutting out toxic elements in their life
1: yeah so There are toxic family members and there are toxic friends. Um, I think the best thing to do is just distance yourself from them. You can still love them from afar. You can still, obviously, if it's like you're a family member, you can still love them from afar, but just don't surround yourself with them all the time. Mm. Um, And it's the same, well, friends not so much, but family members, I think it's important to, obviously, they're they're your blood, right? So you Mm -hmm. have to still love them. But you can love them from a distance, mm. um, and for friends, um, I would just distance myself from them and grow apart, I suppose, and then yeah. grow towards the right people that are gonna, the good friends that are gonna lift you up and put you in the right direction, and you both support each other in the right way, where yeah. you both are getting towards. So you both have that goal where you want to get to, and you help each other. Yeah, and that's what good friends do.
0: Yeah, totally. Because when I when I Found my first business, it was when I was at uni. It was twenty three, similar to you. Um, although I didn't brave fintech at that time, I was I was in content. Um, but I had you know a huge group of friends because I had my uni friends, I had my home friends. Then I founded a business, and then it became twenty hours a day work. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. And by the time I sold my business, uh, four and a half years later, I had three best friends left. You know, I had three friends left, and I think it's that. It's the you know understanding that. People want to support rather than demand from you. Mm-hmm. People want to support your energy, and you can support their energy rather than demand your energy. Mm-hmm. And it's such an important thing to protect. Like I, I'm someone I think like you as well, who is just so impacted by the energy of people around me, and it just it changes your life.
1: It's so true, and you can instantly tell. When you go and see friends, you can instantly tell afterwards who has drained your energy and Mm. who has given you energy that you feel motivated and excited. Yeah. And when you see those people, those are the ones that you want to be friends with and hang out with more. Yeah. Because those are the ones that you feel happy with. And there are friends that make you feel happy, and ones that literally just suck the energy out mm. of you. And those are the ones you need to avoid.
0: And you know who they are as well, right? Yes. You know who they are. You've just got to make the jump. So, yeah, yeah, if exactly. there's any advice from this podcast, it's cut out all your mates, basically. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so you 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 started your first business. What was the concept behind it?
1: So. The concept was when I was working in the city. uh, Me and my partner realized there was a gap in the market to serve the underserved industries, Mm -hmm. and these are these are essentially the newer type industries. So, for example, um, crypto—they're often like cryptocurrency. Banks don't usually want to deal with them because obviously they see crypto as the enemy. Mm So it's difficult. Been
0: been a good week for changing that reputation, yeah? eh? Exactly.
1: (laughs) 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 Exactly that. Yeah. So. They struggle to get payments and banking solutions, so they can't get a bank account. Uh, yeah. And wh- if they don't have a bank account, then they can't operate their business. Yes. It's very difficult for them. Um, so there's crypto, there's gambling industry as well.
0: Super interesting.
1: Yeah, so gaming and gambling, um, as well as like digital money and uh, fintech as well. So these newer industries, they tend to struggle to get viable payment and banking solutions, mm. market-leading ones that we can help them with.
0: Really interesting. And is that business still running?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's capitalized. That's capitalized. Oh, wow. are you talking about my first ever business? Yeah, your first oh, ever okay. one.
0: Because like, <laughs> I want to, I want to get the full journey. Because like, capitalize, obviously, super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always good for people to hear, like, you know, where does it start, right?
1: Okay. Okay. So.
0: So this is after you got back from traveling, right? No,
1: no. So my first ever business I started when I was sixteen. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I started selling jewelry in Camden Market. Amazing. Yeah, so I bought uh, jewellery over, like imported jewellery over over from Thailand and I obviously got it for pretty cheap and I had my own uh, jewellery website and a Facebook and I was selling online as well, but yeah, I made most of my money selling in Camden Market.
0: Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's a proper hustle. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so on that, clearly you're someone who's worked incredibly hard from a young age. What do you think about work-life balance?
1: I I mean, I think that's... You know what? I'm going to say this. Now that I've worked in my business and I know where I am, I think it's really important to have a work-life balance. And I, I do understand that it's very difficult for people who are just starting out in their business because mm. you have to... If you don't put in the work, then nothing's going to grow. Um, so I do think maybe at the start you do have to uh, suffer a bit with yeah. your work-life balance. Um, but now I do strive to have a work-life balance because otherwise I'll get burnt out and Mm -hmm. when I'm burnt out I can't be in high performance at my Mm -hmm. company. Um, So yeah right now I tend to have my set hours that I work but to be honest even during the night I'm still checking my emails and checking work stuff but it's my baby you know it doesn't feel like work it's it's my passion and I love it like I wouldn't have it any other way to be honest. Yeah
0: of course I think it's a really important point because there's a lot of people who want to be entrepreneurs, a lot of people who want to be founders, and there is that understanding that for the first few years there is gonna be sacrifice, there is gonna be pain, and of course you can't sustain that forever, mm-hmm. but there needs to be that realization that, you know, work-life balance for the first couple of years, it's not really gonna be there, and I think it's um, it's gotta be, got to be to people like me and you to be responsible and share that message and say, look, It's not actually for everyone to quit their jobs Mm -hmm. and jump into building something because if you need that work-life balance to stay happy, to stay healthy, to do all those things, it's probably not for you building a business, right?
1: No. No, it's not. And when you start a business, you can't just think, oh, I'm going to work 9 to 5. You can't just think in your 9 to 5 mindset or mentality because you're never going to build something by doing that. It's not going to work. People get the places by working hard and putting in those hours and there's a lot of stigma at the moment with um, hustle culture yeah and um, but I always say this if you want to get something like somewhere in life you do have to work hard and you're going to have to hustle for a bit but when you obviously get to a good point then you can start looking after your work-life balance but I mean even at the start when you're first starting your business, you do have to do things to take care of your mental mind, like, for example, meditation Mm -hmm. or keeping fit, because that's going to help you stay in peak performance as well. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, integrating that into your hustle, (laughs) I suppose you could call it, um, is going to be really helpful. Just taking care of your mind and spirituality and keeping healthy and fit is just how you're going to stay in peak performance. Yeah.
0: And I think it's that self-awareness, which is so important as well, because balance looks different for different people right severe ADHD for me if I'm not going 100 miles now I feel off balance yeah. like I feel uncomfortable I get anxiety if I'm not moving forward so <laughs> that's, me too. that's you too <laughs> yeah. right so it's it's again just checking in with yourself and I guess that's where meditation comes into it and understanding that for me to feel happy for me to feel balanced for my mind to feel at ease this is what it looks like and it's important to have an understanding partner for that as well but you work with your partner right
1: yes exactly yeah we've been together for since we s- I actually met him at my first role in FX, okay. so that's how we know each other. And yeah, we've been together ever since, to be honest.
0: And how is it working with your partner?
1: Um, it's, uh, it's good. Like, we have our It
0: took a while to think <laughs> about that one. <laughs> no, actually,
1: thinking about it, we actually work very well together. Yeah, yeah so we have our understanding that any kind of uh, work-related disagreements, we talk on Slack about it.
0: <laughs> that's smart. That's yeah. a really good measure. Okay, and, yeah. and do you ever find there's like a scope creep there and suddenly you're, you're talking of work outside of Slack or?
1: Oh, yeah, we always talk about work outside of Slack. Even when we go to dinner, we start talking about work. It's so difficult not to Yeah. Uh, because we, we love our business so much. It, it's, it's like our little baby, so yeah. we always got to look out for it and make sure it's doing well. Um, and it's I guess it's a nice talking point as well. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So how long have you guys been running Capitalise?
1: Uh, three and a half years.
0: Okay, okay. And what's that journey been like?
1: Uh, it's been interesting. So we essentially launched um, almost in the middle. Well, at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that itself was crazy. Um, it Always gives, an
0: interesting time to launch something new, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um,
1: and it gave me so much anxiety uh, when I launched because obviously I had no idea what, what was happening and where the world was going and if because it's just so confusing. You don't know, you can't predict the future. Um, So there was that. And then we got some really great, great clients on during the pandemic. And we just started smashing our niches Mm -hmm. and we grown exponentially. And then we started hiring a team. Um, But then when we launched the business, uh, we ended up going to Thailand for a bit. And that's obviously when we ended up getting stuck out there. Well, voluntarily, voluntarily stuck.
0: (laughs) That's okay. I mean, good place to choose. So, so, what, so, because um, you were in Thailand, right? And they went into a really harsh lockdown, didn't they? Yes. So you guys had the opportunity to say, right, are we going to go and stay in for this lockdown? Are we going home? And and you decided to stay out?
1: Yeah, yeah. We decided... I mean, it was a lot nicer lockdown than the UK was because we had a nice villa with a poor... Yeah,
0: <laughs> good shout. Good shout. Okay. And then how did you find... So did you already have employees at that point?
1: No, no. It was just Fun, us two, yeah.
0: Just you guys at that point. And how big's the team now?
1: Uh So we're about eight people now
0: mm-hmm. yeah and how do you find managing a distributed team working totally virtually and remotely
1: so there's obviously challenges to working uh, f- to operating a fully remote team but we're very determined to make it happen because our team love to work remote. we always ask whenever we're hiring someone we say um are you comfortable with working remotely and they said oh that's one of the reasons why we want to work here mm-hmm. so we can work remotely um, so we've got a team that we've got someone that works in Thailand, someone that works in Portugal, uh, some team in the UK. Um, yeah. And then we've got people that love to travel the world as well, like me and my partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amazing.
0: Amazing. That's really cool. Okay. So I've got a few questions that I want to ask you, not quick fire or anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you could identify the single biggest risk you've taken in your life or career, what would it be? And what was the outcome?
1: Definitely launch, uh, starting Capitalize. Yeah, because I, obviously I started when I was 23. Uh probably had about five years of, ex- well, no, not five, like three years of experience. Or no, sorry, I'm not so bad at counting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had, to, I had some experience um, behind me, but um, obviously there's that element of being naive and saying, oh, I can do this. Um, I guess if I was like 40 or something and mm-hmm. saying, no, oh, I can start a business, you're obviously going to be, looking at all the risks involved and yeah. analysing everything. I just said, oh, I'm just going to start my business.
0: <laughs> yeah, do you know, it's really interesting because we were we had an event last night uh, with Goldman Sachs, I was telling you, and um, two of the people on the panel were talking about um, the age of entrepreneurs. And it's, it's really interesting because I was under the impression, and I want your view on this, I was under the impression like such a huge trend in you know young entrepreneurs, people becoming more entrepreneurial, but actually the average age of a founder in tech is 42. Yeah. So it's weird. It's like we take the headlines because we're the young ones <laughs> and people are like, oh, look at these young people doing this. But actually, you know, it still is not the norm.
1: No, it's not. And yeah, usually it is around 40 that they start, they take the leap. And um, I mean, typically what we find, w- what I've seen as well is people that start around 40, they have a more like a higher chance of success rate mm. for their business because obviously they have the experience behind them. They have the knowledge and, and everything else. Um but then obviously there's us that take the leap and just, just get on with it and try and build something great.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's fascinating to think because for me it's that, like I look at the average age of my team, we're about 65 people now. And I think the average age of my team, it, it definitely know all in 28. And it's just that hunger and that passion. And of course that means there's mistakes that are made. Mm-hmm. But the desire to learn, the desire to grow, the desire to, you know, M- mobilise themselves for a mission, mobilise themselves for personal development. It's amazing to see. Like I, For me, I, I I was actually really, really shocked to hear that. Um, the success rate, as you said, is, is so much higher at that, that late stage. But I guess maybe they're just, you know, still hiring loads and loads of young, exciting, hungry yeah, people, yeah. but they're just a bit <laughs> older, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, I think younger people this generation, they're a lot more entrepreneurial and they're very hungry to succeed. And um, I guess because you're following people like Stephen Bartlett or Mm. um, other people that are very inspirational and they're just guiding them in the right direction, which is great.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, my next question for you is, is there anything in your career or life that you wish you had done differently?
1: No, you know what? I wouldn't because I always think that everything happens for a reason and what got me maybe the mistakes that I made in the past I learned from them and then but that would have led me onto the right path of getting to where I am now like for example I never finished uh, I didn't go to university Uh, I guess when I was younger I wished I kind of wished that I did but if I went to university I wouldn't be on this entrepreneurial journey I wouldn't have started my business at 23 I wouldn't have gone into fintech Um, so yeah to answer that no because everything happens for a reason and even if you regret something and you wish you could have changed it, you may not be on that right path that you are now. You won't. You, I, may, I might not be on this podcast with you mm. right now, you know?
0: Yeah, totally. No, I I believe the same thing. I think yeah. maybe it's because we're so young as well. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I'm 31. I'm feeling very old now. But, you know, maybe in, like, 20 years we'll be like, oh, actually, I wish I'd done that differently. <laughs> but I think at this stage, totally right, you know? Yeah. Like, um, situa- you know, you, you can't predict the future, as you said before. So... Yeah. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but um, I think when things are going well, it's really, you know, at least at this point, easy to not have a life of regrets. But
1: yeah, exactly. And no life is perfect, mm, right? And absolutely. it's all, always full of ups and downs where you learn from. I think as long as you're learning from your mistakes, that's the most important thing. Because I've met people that make mistake after mistake and they don't learn from them. But you can make mistakes. That's how you grow, right? You fail, you learn, and then you keep growing.
0: Mm, Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, what's the single thing you're most proud of?
1: I would definitely say getting onto Forbes 30 Under 30 is probably one of my biggest achievements. Um, Honestly, when I made it onto there... um, I actually had to slap myself a few times because I thought I was dreaming (laughs) Uh, for someone like me, who's in a very male dominated industry, who started her business at 23, didn't even go to university and had so much, um, had a, it was, it was, I had a difficult childhood growing up. So just to be able to achieve something like that made me very proud. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Okay. My second to last question for you is what does it take to be successful?
1: As we said before, self-belief is very important. Uh, it's really important you have a, a good mindset because, it, like you said before, um, if you don't believe in yourself, then no one is going to. So you, it's important that when you believe in yourself, you have that confidence. You have that characteristic about you and you just carry yourself. Well. Then people are st- going to start being drawn to you and they're going to want to do business with you. So having that self-belief in yourself is very important. Um, also, being able to work smart but also hard so you can there's people that I know that would work hard but they don't do the right things
0: mm.
1: I think it's important to work smart work strategically mm-hmm. and um always think uh, think about working like strategically is very important so mm. having that um element of working smart but also putting in those hours as mm. well
0: yeah because that's it because it's I actually uh I'm, I'm going to be annoying here I hate the phrase work smart or hard because it's really it's Doing both, yes. right? It, it's it's as you said, it's not wasting effort on things that you shouldn't be. But the people I know who are the most successful are the ones who figure out how to work smart and still put those hours in. Exactly. Yes. You know, it's it's what you've got to nail it. You've got to understand how to prioritize, how to delegate, to all those things. But it's another one of those phrases where sometimes people misconceive it to be like I need to do a few hours a day, and I can yeah. just you know sit in an ivory tower and. I've seen a lot of founders like that and yeah. it never really works well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I love the sentiment. Um, I think it's it's that. You've got to figure it out, but you've got to go for it and put the hours in. Don't think it's going to come easy.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you work smart and then you work hard and you achieve so much more, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's the very good element of being a successful entrepreneur or even a business person.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. My last question for you, and I've really, I've really, really loved this conversation. My last question for you is, if 15-year-old Liselle walked in right now, what would you tell her?
1: I would say it's so important uh, that you believe in yourself and know you're just as capable and deserving as anyone else. Um, There's going to be people that will try and put you down, uh, but you just have to ignore them and keep going. You do you. You put in those hours and you can achieve so much. You can achieve whatever you want
0: inspirational love that okay you got anything you want to plug
1: um no not necessarily i think this has been a really good conversation and it's so nice to meet other successful entrepreneurs who are just paving the way and it's great to speak to you and get your point of view and it's nice to see that we're aligned as well Mm,
0: totally yeah amazing thank you so much for coming on the show thank you Cheers.